1: Happy Friday, everybody! Welcome to the NFL DFS uh, podcast, uh, sponsored by Yahoo Fantasy Sports. I am Scott Jensen, joined as usual by Andrew Laird. Uh, we appreciate everybody tuning in. If you do listen, enjoy listening to us. You can please rate or review the podcast; it'd be greatly appreciated. Uh, if you enjoy listening to us, uh, break down some DFS, talk about strategy soon enough, talk about uh, some game slates, uh, leave us a bunch of stars, leave us a nice comment. It does go a long way towards helping the podcast. Uh, before we jump into it, we're going to uh, we're going to do a showdown, a single game contest today, kind of a uh, breakdown that uh, relatively new format on DraftKings and uh, FanDuel. But uh, Andrew, how are you this week?
2: I'm great. I'm great. We um, I don't want to give away too much to our listeners here. But when we started thinking <laughs> like we have a lot of these preseason uh, podcasts to do, we were wondering what we were going to talk about. And I feel like we've done a pretty good job so far.
1: Yeah, I, I you know, talking DFS and strategy, uh, it can only go so far without actually games to break down. But yeah, we're uh we're at August 16th. We've got uh you know, we have some some week 2 preseason games. So I actually saw some players that we've uh, we've heard of we've playing heard of, Yeah. <laughs> uh, play yeah, play this weekend. Lamar Jackson had a really sweet touchdown run yesterday that uh, everybody on, uh, on on NFL uh preseason Twitter was freaking out about. Oh I uh, I did see it. It was it was a nice run, but yeah, I try to I try to avoid too much preseason talk. I think it, uh, I think it causes problems in my my season long leagues. I don't like to get bogged down in it, and then you know I think it skews my thinking for DFS too. I don't want to, I don't want to see a couple plays back. Oh, I got to play that guy week one, where you know week one should be separately uh, broken down when week one uh, when we get to week one. So Mm -hmm. I I try and avoid it for the most part. It's hard to as someone who kind of does this as a as a a side hobby and uh, is involved in you know Twitter and uh, and all the the podcasts and writing articles. It's hard to avoid, but uh, I try and keep it out of my mind.
2: Can I ruin the Lamar Jackson touchdown for you?
1: Oh, I hope you do. Was it like the ninth string defense or what we're talking about?
2: It, there was a hold on the play.
1: Oh, man. Well, you, you <laughs> they, didn't go, they, didn't, they didn't go back and review that?
2: Um, I don't even know. I i saw, I think it was Willie Snead. If I saw uh, the uh, Twitter uh, the Twitter cloud that ru- rained on everybody's parade. That actually, uh, Willie, frankly, Willie, nobody Willie knows. Willie
1: if, uh, if you play in uh, PPR leagues, Willie Snead's going to be a little bit of a sticky guy with a lot of catches. Just want oh, to so throw you, that out lucky there. look at you. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was it was funny. Everybody's freaking out about that, and then there was that uh, there was that Bengals Redskins pass interference that was uh, oh quite egregious. Gosh. They reviewed it and did not overturn it. So uh, I'm gonna go with my uh, my stance that uh, I had last week. That was a little controversial. That uh, pass interference review is going to be the absolute biggest debacle of all time this year. I
2: saw that uh, I saw that you said that, and I totally agree with you. Like it's um, it's one of these things that uh, you makes you realize that most NFL fans don't actually know the rules and there's no doubt about that. And so we're all like, Oh, that's ridiculous. And then the NFL changes something and we're like, okay, they fixed it. And you know, everybody kind of gets somebody to break down what the rule actually says. And then we see it in practice and they're like, and you're like, Oh, that's pass interference. And we're like, no, 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 that's, that's not pass interference because we changed it to this because you guys complained about the, that other thing. And we're sitting there like, Oh, these rules, rules are ridiculous. And, uh, when you were like, oh, these referees are terrible. And it's like, well, they're actually excellent at knowing the rules. We're not.
1: Yeah, it's funny. Uh, Patrick Davitt weighed in. And he's a he's a, he's a Canadian football watcher, and he said they've had that league that rule for a, a while. And they actually do uh, review on on defensive holding. So it's a team strategy, like late in games, to have a receiver on the other side of the field where you're not running the play, like kind of run into the defensive the defensive back and try and get defensive holding, and then go review the play after it happens. Like that's actually a strategy that's built in the game now because of reviewing this crap.
2: In order to get like a free timeout or like what's no, the,
1: in order to get in order to get a defensive holding call get on the, the other holder. side, like. Completely away from the play, but you do you. something where, you know, the defensive guy pretty much can't do anything but kind of grab you and, and get out of the way, and they're, you, then you go review it, and under the letter of the law, it's defensive holding. So whatever happened on the play, you can get that defensive holding as a penalty if you need a first down.
2: That sounds like a lot of fun.
1: And, like really fun to watch, right? Like that sounds like <laughs> fantastic TV. So. Oh. Anyway, uh, rant uh, rant for this week over. But uh, so let's uh, let's jump into talking about a showdown contest, Kind of a, uh, a you know single game contests. Uh, they're called showdown on DraftKings. Uh, kind of a new thing. Uh, one game contest really got. It really felt like it to me. It got popular last year. You know, obviously it's kind of built into the the primetime game. So they'll do a showdown for the Thursday night game, the Sunday night game, the Monday night games is really popular. Obviously because everybody played all day Sunday. Either they're mad they lost or they have the money to use that they won. And the, so the Monday night games got really popular. Popular. I think it kind of blew up that uh, that Rams Chiefs game. We've, we've referenced a few times. Like everybody was playing showdown that week because yep. they wanted to get a piece of that action. But um, there's obviously a lot of strategy that has been doing. It's, it's one game, so you're going to obviously have a lot more variability than you have will you will over 13 games. But uh, I know you play these. You're you're probably uh, you're way more versed in this than I am. So I'm going to lean on you a little bit this week with those. I've played them, but you know I kind of play them for oh I'm sitting down and watching the Monday night game. You know nobody's in the house, or uh, I, you know this is a really fun game. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, I play them kind of for fun, small money, just to have some action and go and root for some guys. But, you know, these are, these are kind of have a lot of strategy to go into them. So let's, uh, let's talk about that. Why don't you just, just tell us how they work, how the rosters work, uh, you know, that kind of stuff first.
2: I would also, before we start, I'd say that I am as well versed as somebody is who like watched a bunch of ER and Grey's Anatomy as being a doctor. So like, I know <laughs> what's going on, but like, I'm not actually doing the surgeries, uh, for, I'm
1: uh, I'm a, I'm a little worried. You watch that much Grey's Anatomy?
2: Really. <laughs> um, my wife, my wife, of course. I was uh, working go. on the couch, yeah. and uh, same way go. I watch uh-huh. The Bachelorette. Uh, anyway, uh, very nice. <laughs> so, so yeah. So I think the the reason these single game and showdown contests have gotten so big is because uh, I mean people were interested in them, particularly for the like the Monday night games, and they've pretty much replaced the like multi slate games where they used to do like the Monday night game and the Thursday night game. And like, you know, people's money was tied up for four days, even though there were only two games. And so they've kind of gotten rid of those. They had those Sunday night and Monday night for a while. And so really uh, the sites are kind of focusing on these single game contests, which for those who uh, were a little anti DFS because they were like, Oh, this is just sports betting. Um, this Gets it much closer to that. Uh, like <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> as soon as it looked like sports betting was going to be be um, legalized, then they were like, "Oh well, we'll just do single games." Uh, they also offer just the second halves of NFL games. Uh, they do it for NBA as well. Um, I believe they might do fourth quarters in NBA. So like the you can really get pretty granular on these things. But anyway, so. Um, in in both sites where that do it, DraftKings and FanDuel, you're picking six players at any position. So um, you can take both quarterbacks if you want. You can take four running backs. You know, obviously there's a salary cap still there. Um, for DraftKings, they include kickers, which they don't include in their classic game. So if you're right. some sort of kicker junkie uh, <laughs> and you're upset they don't have it in classic, you can play it in these showdown slates. Um, the big difference uh, between the two is. So they both have six players, one of which is a captain. And the captain will get uh, one and a half times their score. But the big difference is that DraftKings will actually make you pay more for your captain. It's one and a half the, the salary. So there's some strategy that goes in just salary-wise in addition to just kind of what which players you're picking. Um, but obviously, uh, the the guys that you are captaining are the ones that you think will score the most points. And I know that sounds like very elementary, But you have to really think of this logically. And there's there's a lot of uh, showdown and single-game strategy that really just comes down to logic. Like, if you... that I mean, they obviously apply in the classic slates, but you really get to to see it firsthand in these single-game slates because you don't have to think about what's going to happen over 13 games or 10 games or 9 games or even a short 3-game. Like, this is one game. And so when you are multiplying the scores of one player and that player is the high. If it turns out to be, that's the highest scoring player. It's really almost impossible to make up that ground with your, uh, with your players who are not the captain. Uh, You know, if your captain just duds. Um, And so it's just so vital that the captain you choose is the highest scoring player just because of that multiplier. And we'll get into um, kind of which players make the most sense for captains, Um, a little later, but that's like one of the clearest things is like when you're, if you're playing one lineup and I'll say that a lot of people don't do that for these showdown slates, (laughs) but make sure your captain is the highest scoring guy.
1: Yeah. And you say that's obvious, but I think I've, you know, I've sat down and played these and tried to figure out like, what am I going to do? And I think there's times where like, I'm going to get a little sneaky with my captain and try and really go. And that just doesn't it, it. It can work if your guy happens to go off, but it just doesn't, it's not a good way to go. I mean, you're, you're right. You have to, it's 1.5 times your points. It's just so significant. You've got to have the guy that you think going to score the most there. I mean, it, it, it sounds really simple, but I see teams lineups and you know, I see kickers in those spots. I see defense in those spots and you know, that can work. And if you're in a six, three game, maybe, you know, maybe that defense uh, you know, really does a lot and no offense players do a lot, but, um, it sounds simple, but I think people try and get sneaky that when they shouldn't.
2: Yeah. And, and that's kind of what we see in a lot of DFS, uh, football that in, it works a lot more in the classic slates, like that you can get these like low on guys and they can go off and that's perfectly fine. Um, but specifically when we're multiplying scores, um, right. the, the captain, you, you need to, to maximize that. Now, um, before we get into that, uh, it seems to me at least that there are generally two contest types that you want to play in showdown. And there are a lot of people I know who are like single lineup classic players who mass multi-enter showdown. Um, Okay. So these contests are incredibly top heavy, which is astonishing to say on websites that are already offering contests that are astonishingly (laughs) top heavy. But you, you, if you're entering these GPPs, like and obviously every GPP you enter, you're trying to win, but you really need to try to win these because finishing 75th barely gets you anything. If you know, depending on the entry level, I guess. But, um, so what we see is that there are people who will run all of these combinations because they want to get the right captain or they get, you know, if they switch captains, they want to keep at least the same team, like theoretically with six spots, you could make the same lineup, but just switch your captain around. Theoretically, if the the salaries work out, right? Um, and so the I know people mass multi-enter classic slates, but like you'll see people who don't normally multi-enter uh, in classic slates do it in showdown just because um, th- you know the the, the rosters are a little smaller, so they're the combina- the number of combinations you can get uh, at least covers more of the the total number of combinations you will not still be able to get every combination like 150 lineups still does not cover all of the combinations in a showdown so right. back to the, my rant from was that last week or the week before like <laughs> the mass multi-enter guys are not covering every combination there are plenty of them who make 150 lineups and literally cash none of them um, because they get the game wrong but um, you'll just don't be surprised when there are a lot of people doing this Uh, So there are those types of contests, and there are others of the very casual um, play with your friends. And, like, uh, I said this, I think, on our first podcast, that my season-long fantasy football league, that my home league, has converted to DraftKings, that we just play against each other. And Showdown is great for that, too. Like, even if you're you're all together, you just throw a team together. Um, Listening to this podcast, reading the articles we have on Rotowire will hopefully make you better than your friends in this Um, Or hopefully you're all listening and good luck to you all. Um, But it's there's almost like a a huge spectrum of like the people who take this very, very seriously and put in a ton of lineups or um, you generally take it pretty casually um, because DFS for a lot of people is fun.
1: I got to tell you, the, the the showdown with your friends thing hadn't really entered my mind. But I tell you what, if I were in college or early 20s, you know, had a bunch of people over watching games, that would have been an awesome format to have.
2: I mean, they, they do it for, you know, all the most of the playoff games, too, as soon as especially when right. you get later. in I mean, like the Super Bowl one was gigantic in terms of. the yeah, of course. But if you're throwing a big Super Bowl party, there's probably totally. a few people there who would be willing to be like, oh, yeah, I'll make a team. Why not? And then there you go.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna fill in squares with your initials, you might uh, might as well fill in the showdown contest, right? <laughs> and I might get some referral points for getting people onto these sites. Oh, also, go. I, I, go. I got I got a plan going yeah. already. Right,
2: you're gonna have a party every Monday night now.
1: I, I might do that. Just my just my wife's gonna be really happy we started this podcast. <laughs> um, Everybody so needs we a big talked- party on Monday night. Yeah, no doubt, right? We talked about uh, GPPs and and now that is there. I I know there is, but how popular is Showdown Cash? It seems like it might be uh, a little bit strange on a one game to play a cash lineup. Uh,
2: It is, uh, but it. I mean, they exist. There, right? There are people who certainly want to play it. Uh, You, I don't. I would say that the strategies uh, are not like the single entry uh, Showdown GPP lineup probably isn't all that different from a cash lineup um, which you generally which with single entry classic slates are very different because you have to beat so many people particularly in NFL um, but cash lineups I mean there there's generally a you know people will probably play both quarterbacks and you get the top running back um, so like the builds tend to be the, the optimal build looks a lot like you, you you would look at it and you say yeah that that's probably the the highest floor players and that makes sense and and you go from there, like you're not trying to go completely off the board, whereas in GPPs, and we'll get to kind of how you do that, um, but those tend to be a little more off the wall.
1: Yeah, so let's jump into lineup construction. But first, a note from our sponsor, Yahoo Fantasy Sports. It's officially August, which means football season is just around the corner, and Yahoo Fantasy has introduced a new fantasy football game called Best Ball that lets you get into action now. With Best Ball, you draft your fantasy football team, and that's it. You don't need to do a thing once you've entered your once you've drafted your team. Each week, the top scoring players at each position on your roster will automatically count towards your weekly score. Forget about the timing commitment. No waiver wire, no trades, no adding or dropping players, no having to make those tough start or sit decisions. Focus on the best part about fantasy football, the draft. Tired of doing mock drafts for your fantasy team and having the other players drop out or not finish the draft. Free best ball leagues give you the most accurate ADP, or average draft position, of players before the season starts. Can't get enough fantasy football but don't want to manage those teams all season long? You can draft to 50 best ball teams on Yahoo. Play for free or play for cash. Most importantly, get to drafting with Yahoo Fantasy Best Ball. Join the league today at yahoo.com slash ball. So Andrew, I think the the most important thing, and you know, maybe something that I don't really break down and do when I play these contests, and I think the the first thing you do when you look at this, you know, Sunday night or Monday night game is you got to figure out what you think, how you think the game's going, and that that comes down to, um, you know, there's generally four types of games. You broke out uh, and we were chatting this beforehand. Uh, there's a shootout, which is you know the the thirty eight thirty five Rams Chiefs game. There's the low scoring game, the the Ravens Titans ten uh, six game. Oh. There's blowouts, the Patriots Jets, you know, fifty two three. Sorry, it was low, just low. too easy. Low, low. And then there's the there's kind of the evenly matched games, the you know, the 20, uh, 24, 21 game, that kind of thing. So I think it's so important to figure out what type of game you think it's going to be more before you do anything else because that, that I mean, pretty much decides how you're going to build your team.
2: Yeah, for sure. And you know, uh, we talked about uh, odds before. You know, we, if you see what the total is, you can see what the spread is. That generally right. gives you a pretty good idea of, of what at least the books are expecting the the game to play out. If you think it's going to be different than that, then that's certainly fine. You know, you're the, uh, the books aren't always right, but
1: um, the, they're, they're pretty, they're pretty darn good. Though. They're good.
2: They're very good. Um, <laughs> they're very good. But I mean, generally, and it, it sounds so again, just thinking of this logically, that if a game is low scoring, uh, you know, if just that, what would you say? Titans, uh, Bengals or whatever it was, Uh, Ravens Ravens Ravens, sure that that works too yeah um so if that game is going to be low scoring uh which means there are not going to be a lot of touchdowns there's not going to be a lot of yards why are you paying up which you usually have to like for both quarterbacks or both top running backs or the top wide receivers like if you're not expecting a lot play the defenses and we kind of make this point that uh or I made this point previously that points allowed Um, At least on draft. Well, DraftKings and FanDuel. Like they're not that important. The number of points that they're allowing. What's much more important are turnovers, possibly touchdowns. um, And if a game is low scoring, uh, you know, it's probable that there are going to be some turnovers. I mean, it's possible that it's literally just three and out and they're 78 punts. Um, which seems like a classic Monday night game.
1: But, it does, um, Especially, a, a, definitely a classic Thursday night
2: game. For sure, for sure. Oh, those games are terrible. um cool. So you just have to think of this logically. Like, if the game is low scoring, think of who that benefits. And theoretically, that benefits the defense. And so then you play defense and showdown. You can even play both of them if you want. Uh, you can play both kickers because, like, in a 9-6 game, there are no touchdowns, so you you theoretically could be getting all of the scoring with both kickers and both defenses, and you're you'd be fine. Um, and nobody ever wants to build a fantasy team with two kickers and two defenses.
1: <laughs> no, that that's not that when you sign up for showdown, that's not that's not what you gravitate towards right, right away. Right,
2: maybe don't have the party on the uh, on the <laughs> Titans uh, Ravens game, but. Good call. Uh, um, but on the other side, if you have these, you know, uh, Rams Chiefs games, you take both quarter, quarterbacks if you want. You you find the receiver that you want, um, that you think is going to go off in this game. You take the Tyree kill, or uh, you think Brandon Cooks is going to be the one who goes nuts. Then you know, the the whole uh, beginning part of building these single game lineups is how do you think this game is going to be played, and then using that assumption to figure out who, which positions benefit. And then you take those guys.
1: Do you find from playing these that most people, no matter what, go with with both quarterbacks? Like how heavily owned are the quarterbacks in these contests? The,
2: the favorite, favored quarterback will always be highly owned. Like it's, and you know, it, in your mind makes sense. Like if they're going to score a lot of points, then that's, that's it. Um, And so generally, um, yeah, the, the quarterback on the favorite, Uh, certainly if it's, you know, if it's going to be a shootout, if it's going to be a blowout, even if it's going to be evenly matched, the favored quarterback will be owned. Like, and in these formats, if they have a big game and you don't have them, like you're out, you're not going to be able to make it up with your quarterback. If it's a one-sided game and you don't have it, or if you just avoid quarterback altogether, like, so like, that's sort of the big thing, especially with these GPPs is if a guy goes off, and you don't have them. You have no shot. Like, none.
1: Yeah, so, whereas a regular, a regular week, there's so many guys who do well. Like You can, you can miss on a couple big performances and you're okay. But you're right. And this, and this kind of is good to think about. If someone goes off, you don't have them. It's over.
2: Well, like, in a classic slate, if Julio Jones has three touchdowns and you're like, I am dead— and then you look over and you have Devontae Adams and he has three touchdowns. Right. You're okay. But there there is no Devontae Adams in this game that you can get up to later. I mean. Exactly. Obviously, if it's Falcons-Packers uh, showdown, we can do that. But um, so it's just it, in a in a single football game, there's just a finite number of of scores that will happen. I mean, obviously, there's a finite in a classic slate, but it's a significantly bigger pool. Right. So if a team is going to score four touchdowns and they're. Backup tight end as two of them, and you don't have him, you're dead because somebody else probably has it. And if that, or if you have him, those are two touchdowns that in this giant field where there are going to be five touchdowns scored, and you have two of them from a guy nobody has. That's a humongous advantage, which is why you go for these guys.
1: Right. Yeah. The, 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 10 Oh five Sunday tweet of like, Oh my God, Odell Beckham had a 60 yard touchdown. I'm going to rip up all my teams drives me nuts, but it actually, <laughs> it actually does work. It actually does work in showdowns. Like if that happens, you don't have them. You're pretty much cooked.
2: You're, you're generally cooked unless you're with your friends and somehow they don't have them either. But, um, so yeah. So, um, <clears throat> again, you're just thinking of this logically that like quarterbacks tend to be highly owned. That doesn't mean that they're always the highest scoring players. Like you have to remember that an 80 yard touchdown is much more valuable for the wide receiver than it is for the quarterback. And so there are instances where, uh, quarterbacks can have good games, but if they're all, you know, if they're sending everything to their, to one wide receiver, the wide receiver is probably the better captain play. Um, so there are instances where, um, where like the wide receiver, the top wide receiver is going to be a better play than the quarterback. That doesn't mean don't have the quarterback, I mean, this is where we will get into the the captain talking a little bit, but like um, you want to make sure that you have that correlation because somebody else probably has it.
1: So I think shootout, you know, obviously uh, is pretty obvious. Low scoring is kind of you talked about. Uh, I think evenly matched uh, makes a lot, you know, 24-21, you can kind of figure out who to play. But in a blowout, in a uh, in a game like, uh, you know, a 14-point spread, something that turns out, you know, 38-10, to uh, who are you looking for in that? Obviously you mentioned the favorite quarterback you want in that. But how else do you strategize around that? Do you want the you want the running back of the team that's ahead, obviously, because the, the second half are going to be, you know, touching the ball a lot. Do you then go with the, the favorite team defense? How do you deal with that team? You think it's going to get blown out. Do you like do you avoid them and only have one or two players from that team? Do you want the quarterback throwing in the second half? How do you how do you attack a game that you expect to be a blowout?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, So you thank you. <laughs> you generally uh, want to Like if you think it's a blowout don't build like an even lineup like the the rule is you have to have at least one player from from each team And so right. it's perfectly fine to do a 5-1 um, If you think it's going to be that much of a blowout and there are games that blow out that much and so Um, you then have to think how, how do I think the other team is going to score? Like generally we don't see games that are like 48, zero, like usually there's a score, um, from the other team. And so if that's the case, you say, do I think the only way this other team scores is with, is with field goals? Uh, You know, if they lose 40 to nine, three field goals, isn't nothing. So you take the kicker or, if you do think that they end up putting up scores at the end, like, I think a lot of people in these, in these, uh, shootouts or I'm sorry, these blowouts think like, I'll just take the other quarterback because they're going to have to be throwing the ball and the, you know, that's how they're going to catch up. But, um, it's possible that they don't catch up and yep. quarterbacks are usually pretty expensive. So you're, you're using a, a good amount of your salary cap on a quarterback. That's probably not going to score that many points. Whereas kickers and defenses tend to be much cheaper. And so if you think it's a blowout, you can take the defense from the home te- from the favored side, take the kicker from the other team, and that's those are two fairly cheap players. So now you can go up and get the the favored quarterback, the favored wide receiver 1, wide receiver 2, and the running back, and you're set. Um so don't like you can put you can make narratives in your head like about every sort of combination. Like, oh, they're gonna get blown out. Yeah. But I think so and so is still gonna catch ten passes for two hundred and it's like that's not gonna happen. Like right. think of this as logically as possible and we don't ever wanna think of like having to play play a kicker, but sometimes there are games where the kicker is the highest scoring player on one team and that's who you want.
1: Uh, on that same note, you mentioned you know the the kicker defense are cheaper. How do you feel about like totally total punt plays in a format like this? You only have six roster spots, but you know, as I scroll down and you're trying to get all the studs in there and you see all you know you see these eight to ten guys at three thousand or whatever the whatever the minimum is on each site, um you know you do the backup tight end. you've got the fourth wide receiver. Um, on a punt play, do, are you like, I'm just gonna take this for the salary and get my other five guys, or does that punt player have to have some sort of chance to do something well in your in your in your mind for you to take them.
2: Uh- there always has to be a reason. Okay. And generally in showdown, dirt cheap price is not enough of a reason. Like, okay, I need to see a path to this guy doing something, and that doesn't mean that I'm expecting him to do a ton. Um, but uh, there was a game last year, so a lot of the a lot of the concepts that we've talked about on this podcast are concepts that I've spoken about um, on the soccer podcast with Jordan Cooper, like Jordan Cooper's is, is a great DFS mind. And, um, last year he, he had a few good showdown wins, but he had one with the, with the Vikings, Aldrich Robinson had two touchdowns.
1: I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't think of the name of the the third or fourth wide receiver. I right. was going to bring that up and I couldn't, I was at Laquan Treadwell, but I knew that was wrong.
2: Yeah. 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 So it was Aldrich Robinson and, yep. um, the, there was a reason he had him. Aldrich Robinson was dirt cheap. He was like the third or fourth, um, uh, wide out for the Vikings. And I can't even remember what the game was. It's probably easy to look up because Aldrich Robinson does have a ton of two touchdown games. But <laughs> the idea in the build was um, the Vikings are could score a lot. And if they spread the ball around. It's possible that Aldrick Robinson is one of the guys that gets these passes. Like he had been getting a few more targets during games. And I think he had moved up on the depth chart and it was like, there wasn't, you know, it's not like you're playing Aldrick Robinson thinking like this guy's going to get 15 targets and he'll, you know, he's going to be a huge play. But if he scores a touchdown, you, you just jump ahead of so many other people because like who on earth is playing Aldrick Robinson? And, And he was obviously cheap. And so there's got to be a, a thought in your head of like, um, you know, if if you think that Kirk Cousins is going to have a good game and you don't think it's going to come from Diggs and Thielen and, Ru- and uh, Rudolph, like who benefits if it goes somewhere else? And in that particular game, it was Aldrich Robinson. And those are sort of the kind of the deeper plays that you look for. Don't captain those guys. I mean, you could, but like generally no. they don't work yeah. out. Um, And so... In those situations, like, you want to captain Kirk Cousins because, like, if you think he's going to have a good game and he's going to spread the ball around, then there's no, like, single player who's going to go above him, whereas um, if you have a situation, like, with the with the Texans and, you know, uh, Fuller's out and Cooties out and you're like, all of Deshaun Watson's passes are going to DeAndre Hopkins. Like, all of those passes are more valuable to Hopkins than they are to Watson, so you captain Hopkins.
1: It's funny. I looked. It was. Uh, it looks like it was week four against uh, against the Rams. He had uh, ter- two catches, two touchdowns, thirty-three yards. There you go. I can't. I can't imagine how fun that second touchdown must have been. Like you get the one lucky one, you're like, oh, that really worked out well. You get that second one, that that uh, must have been a lot of fun. Yeah, because
2: like when you think of it, it's not like the Vikings are going to score ten touchdowns. Like right. Two. I mean, the the Rams that, that game probably had a, a fairly high total just because both teams can put up a lot of points. But like, even if it's five touchdowns. And you play somebody like Aldrick Robinson, and you get two of those touchdowns. The odds are that with the salary you saved, you are still in a position to get the other three. It's not like you're you're taking Robinson and you've taken yourself out of the others. Like you can still get the others, and so that's why. When you know, if the the idea is not like, oh, Robinson's cheap, I'll take him. And it's like Robinson's cheap, and uh, if I don't think the passes go to these other guys, they can go to him. So you know, it's not just like. You don't want to pick some guy who's like not going to see the field. Um, And but you have to be careful because Robinson is priced with guys that won't see the field. And so, you know, it takes a little more work than just uh, this guy's cheap. And so um, that's how you kind of land on those guys.
1: Yeah, and that's a really good point. It kind of goes back to what we were talking about a bunch last week when we were talking about positions. You know, have a reason for playing, guys. Don't uh, – I, the, the, I have $3,000 left. I'm going to pick someone. It doesn't work. But like you said, if you have $3,000, you pick someone that, you know, within the course of your build and within the course of how you think the game will work, has a chance to do that, um, you know, suddenly it, it becomes an interesting play. But you've got to have a reason to do it. Don't just randomly throw someone in there to save the money.
2: Yeah, for sure. And, and that game actually is kind of a great example if you think of, like, the number of combinations that you can make. Like, uh, in that game – which is probably high scoring and you know, probably had a high total and was probably pretty close in terms of a spread, you need to think of all of the combinations that could possibly happen if the Vikings won, if the Vikings won big, if the Rams won, and if the Rams won big. Like, there's just no way to get every single combination in 150 lineups.
1: Yeah, totally. Totally makes sense. That's a, that's a really good point. Um, so we only have six guys in these contests. How do you deal about uh you know players not cannibalizing each other? You know, obviously, uh in in regular slates we talked about that. We did positions like you know you've got a if you have a running back and quarterback together, you know sometimes it's hard for them to go both go off. You know sometimes you get the receiving running back where that can work, but in a single slate, how do you deal with not taking guys that you think are gonna you know eat each other's uh, production away?
2: Yeah, so there's there's not a lot of instances where this happens like in a single game just because like we said you can't make up these points elsewhere so like if you're like I don't want to play the quarterback and the running back because how do they both do well in the same game like it can happen and you're only competing against like three other possible running backs in the game if you're only you know, right. thinking of going four deep and one other quarterback who you could be playing also so like Uh, quarterback running back is is perfectly fine, Um, but, like, two running backs tends not to work. And now I realize that there are teams where it works, like last year with the Saints, if you had uh, Kamara and Ingram, like, sometimes that can work together. Um, But generally, there are only so many carries or running back targets to go around. And so um, it feels, like, a little weird to say, like, don't take two running backs, but it's perfectly fine to take two wide receivers. But, like, that's just the way that football works. Like, running backs tend to just... A single running back tends to get a lot of carries, and if you're not get, if you don't have that, um, just be going into a gaming like I'm just going to lock up all the rushing from this team, um, usually is just not the most optimal way to build.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's that makes a lot of sense. That's a good uh, good summary. Also, uh, let's talk about captains and MVPs, and we've we've kind of touched on that, but let's talk about that now. But first, a note from our sponsor, Fancy Football Evolution. Fantasy Football Evolution is back for 2019 and better than ever. You spoke and we listened. We're adding we've added mock drafting, moving move the championship final to NFL Week 16, and made setting up a private competition a snap. Join us and play the game you love as it was meant to be played. FFE's unique three-stage format delivers the best of season-long fantasy football without the never-ending drafts or late-season absentee owner and waiver wire antics that can develop in traditional leagues. Play as an individual or be the commissioner of your own private league. You get 16 weeks of action for just $25. You can be the next FFE $25,000 champion. Maximize your chances by owning multiple teams. Optional auto drafts and lineup assists can help you manage them with ease. It's all here. What are you waiting for? Register now at FancyFootballEvolution.com and join the evolution. Availability varies by states. Visit FantasyFootballEvolution.com for details. So, Andrew, you've mentioned uh, we talked about captains MVPs. You get the one point five uh, point multiplier there. Um, you mentioned uh, you want the guy that picks that the highest the highest individual to score. Obviously, you know that makes a lot of sense. But how do you go about to attacking captain MVP? Are you someone that you know? Are you like I want the quarterback? I want the quarterback? I want the quarterback? Are you uh, are you trying to get tricky with uh, you know? I think this wide receiver is going to score twice. Uh, how do you attack uh, you know starting your roster with that with that top captain spot, which is obviously a very significant spot in a showdown?
2: Yeah, I think you—I mean, we, we go back to what we said before. Like, th- think about how the game is going to play out, both in terms of how the, sc- the game itself, score-wise, will play out, but also where these touchdowns are going to come from. And if you think—if you look at a team and say— um, I, wrote, I gave this great Vikings example in our notes, <laughs> and for some reason you, you thought Kirk Cousins wasn't good enough for it. But
1: All, all the quarterbacks to pick from you take Kirk Cousins. I just it, thought that was a little it,
2: surprising. It was less about Kirk Cousins than it was about uh, Thielen, Diggs, Rudolph, um, and then, yeah, Treadwell, Jordan Taylor, guys like that. So right. um, if you have a game like that with, with the Vikings where you're expecting, let's say they're, they've got a high total even if it's a let's call it a blowout just to make it easier and you're like i want to stack the vikings and i need the vikings how do i think they are going to play and so if you think it's going to be much more through the air than it is with dalvin cook even though you could be perfectly fine with cook but like um i think they're going to have four receiving or passing touchdowns in this game so obviously the passing touchdowns go to kirk cousins and if you think uh they're going to go to everybody like he's going to have one to four different receivers then there's no other player in the game that will score more points than Cousins nobody's going to have multiple touchdowns nobody's if if somebody gets the 100 yard bonus uh, for receiving on on DraftKings then odds are Cousins is going to get the 300 for passing Cousins is going to be only multiple touchdown player in the game and I know the the passing touchdowns count less than the receiving ones. But when you have four of them versus right. somebody's one, even with the, tu- even with the reception points, um, cousins is going to be the highest scoring player in the game and you should captain it. It's as simple as that. Um, going from there is where you start to figure out where else, where else the touchdowns are going. And that's where you roster in the rest of your five spots or four spots. Plus let's call it a kicker on the other side. So, you know, if you, and this is where you can see where the multi-entry comes in, because um, if you go in, you're like, all right, I'm going to take Cousins, Thielen, Rudolph, and Treadwell, um, because you can't afford Thielen, Diggs, Rudolph, and Cook. Let's say you want to Cook also. Right. Uh, so you make that roster, and then you have one without Thielen, because you think but actually he's going to be the one who's left out. And then you have one without Diggs, and you have one both of them. and then And then you can say, wait a minute, maybe all of the touchdowns go to Diggs, or he has three of them now Diggs is at the highest scoring player in the game so now you want to captain Diggs, but also have cousins on your team like i think a lot of people may think like oh if i'm not going to captain whoever then i don't need him. like no, no, no. still have them and all of a sudden you start making these combinations and you've hit 150 lineups and you're yeah. like i'm not even close to covering what i thought i was going right. to. um so uh that's really where, what it comes down to is like, how is this game going to play out? And so there are plenty of times where you think like the top running back, um, on the favored team is going to have a huge game and you captain him, you know, you have your, I was going to say Todd Gurley, but who knows what's going on with Gurley now, but, um, <laughs> you know, we get a garbage giants game on Sunday night cause they always play Sunday night. And so, um, you're like, I'm going to captain Saquon Barkley, Saquon Barkley. And like, that's perfectly fine. And then you just kind of go from there and you probably don't have Eli. Cause why would you ever have Eli? Um, and good point. I mean, it's just kind of figure out how the game plays out and then figure out where the scores are coming from and whoever has the most in your mind should be your captain.
1: Yeah, and I think a good point about you—you uh, you have to correlate the rest of the team, and your captain, to him. If you have the captain, you think that's going to be the high-scoring player. What does that mean for the other spots? If that's Saquon Barkley, and you think that the Giants, uh, you know, are going to win by running the ball, then maybe you're thinking about uh, you know someone else on the other team. But uh, who you have on your team has to make sense with you know your captain going off because you're, you're not going to win without your captain going off. So if your captain goes off, then you know what does that mean for the rest of the game? I think it's a really important way to look at it.
2: Yeah, it, I mean, the the last thing you want to do is. Like lose sight of the correlation because yeah. if you're like if Kirk Cousins you have Kirk Cousins I keep going back to him um, throws a <laughs> touchdown and the guy who catches the touchdown is not on your team like that's a huge opportunity that you missed and yep. so um, make sure that your lineup makes sense like even you know if you build starting from your captain think I think this guy is going to be the highest scoring player and who has to help him get there and those are the guys you also want on your team.
1: Do you find that uh, winning teams, these kind of are usually quarterback with a captain or does it, does it move around?
2: Uh, I, quarterback captains, certainly on favored teams, are usually the most popular. Um, okay. That doesn't necessarily mean they're always the best. But generally, uh, quarterback favorites are up there. We, I mean, it's unsurprising. It's either going to be the favored quarterback, the favored top running back, the favored top wideout. Um, and then it actually gets a little trickier because— um, you know, depending on the game, if we have one of these low scoring games, then, um, it could be the running back on the underdog because they're just kind of trying to grind out the game and he just happens to get the most points. Um, could be, you know, at that point it could be a tight end because, uh, depending on how the, how the game plays out, if it's 10, three, and there is a, there is a touchdown, it could be a, you know, some garbage tight end touchdown. Um, and that, again, that touchdown probably is worth more to, to the tight end than it is the quarterback. Um, but yeah, generally Uh, People stick with the quarterback running back, the, the top favored quarterback running back wide receiver.
1: On that point, I want to talk a little bit about percentages, but uh, first a note from our sponsor, Auto New. Auto New Fancy Football lets you build your fancy football dynasty like a real GM. It's better fancy football, auction-based, deep rosters, and college player prospects. Stash next rookie of the year while he's still tearing it up on Saturdays. Trade for superstars to make a championship push. Develop a team over multiple years. Play against the best fancy football competition on the internet. Visit autonew.com today. That's O-T-T-O-N-E-W. Uh, so you mentioned, you know, Captain, and I asked you about quarterbacks. Uh, how do you deal with percentages in these kind of? Obviously, we've only got one game. Percentages are going to be significantly higher than they are normally. Um, how high percent does like a, you mentioned you've talked about favored quarterbacks a bunch. Uh, like how high percent is it is a Jared Goff on a Monday night game when the Rams are favored? Like, are we talking like 70, 80 percent? Like, what kind of percentage are we talking about?
2: Yeah, it could be up there. I okay. mean, be, mostly because you you have people who not only are playing him, but are also playing him in the captain. And so right. not that that. Overall changes. But we don't...
1: You don't see... Uh, you don't see a captain percentage, right? Just an overall correct, percentage?
2: Correct. Correct. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I, correct. There's nothing right now that, that shows it easily, okay. at least on the sites themselves. But... Right. Um, and I don't know if we mentioned this. FanDuel calls it an MVP. I apologize. I, I generally play on DraftKings, which is why I use their terminology more often. But... Um, so, I think we
1: can... I think we can figure it out.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so there's an a very interesting thing when it comes to these showdown slates uh, because... You, you definitely don't want all these high-owned players, um, but the biggest reason you don't, and like player, um, player ownership in like classic slate GPPs are important because you want a guy that nobody has um, because that brings you higher up the, the, uh, the standings without everybody else moving with you. In Showdown, because there are only six spots... The duplication of lineups is absurd. Right. If you build a lineup that you think will be duplicated <laughs> a lot, like you're like, this is the lineup I think a lot of people will end up on, don't play it. Like it's, yeah, if, it's,
1: it's, if it takes you like six minutes and you're like, this lineup's perfect, it's probably too, probably too common.
2: It's, and and I, I think people kind of were like, oh, well, whatever. Like, uh, you know, if, I, if it still caches, like that's great. And it's like the odds are so much lower for you if you have a lineup that you think a lot of people are playing and that doesn't mean go off the board with one spot just to go off the board. Like we're, we'll say that again. Don't just pick a guy to pick a guy, Right. but you have to build this lineup uh, at least in these extremely top heavy GPPs with a player or, you know, it doesn't have to be six guys who are 2% owned. Um, I don't even know who you would roster at that point, um, <laughs> but you need probably just one, maybe two um, that, that, a lot. Most people are not thinking of, and if that guy scores a touchdown, that's great. But it's also putting you ahead of these people because, like, it's the same idea. Not only do they not have him, but there aren't other people with your lineup that has him. So, like, imagine finishing first in a gigantic GPP that pays hundred thousand dollars to first, and you're splitting it with fifty thousand people. <laughs> Did you win? It's obviously a very extreme example, but, like, right. but, but that is what happens with these, with these showdown GPPs, that there's so much duplication because there are only so many ways that, to build a lineup. And if you're looking like, wow, I can't believe that I got both quarterbacks, th- you know, both top wideouts, one top running back, at def- and you're like, I can't believe this all fell together. Everybody's thinking that. And there are yep. so many people who are like, this is awesome. I just crushed it. And they play it. And then you're all tied for 9,358th, and you came back, your $20 or $5, $10 entry is returning you three bucks.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. And it's interesting. What do you do with in terms of leaving money on the table? You know, I think that most people that play try and get right up to that salary cap. And, you know, with that, you get you get some common builds because there's only so many ways the math can work with with this few players. How do you feel about, uh, you know, if the cap's 60 million or whatever is, how do you feel about leaving leaving some on the table and kind of trying to create a unique lineup that way? It's a great
2: way to be unique is leaving. And and that's not to say, like, leave. Ten, you know, uh, ten thousand of the fifty thousand on on the table, of but course. like, um, but you could, like, it, I think uh, if you have a lineup that zeroes out, you know, it's going to be popular. Like, you, yeah, for that reason alone, you should probably never play a lineup that zeroes out in a showdown GPP because you just know that you're going to be splitting this lineup with thousands of people, um, and so if you get to the point where uh, and, and it's just, you know, it's inherently a thing with a lot of people at DFS where they see salary left and you're like, Oh, this guy's only 400 more and I have 400 it, left. So he must be it's, better.
1: It's really hard not to do that.
2: Though. It's really hard. Um, yeah, it is. We, we joke around in our, in the rotowire subscriber discord that like, Oh no, the, like the sites will just send you back the, the extra $400. They'll just give it to you. <laughs> if you leave it, obviously, they I, don't. Just, I just want, I just want to use it for the week after. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but so like Absolutely. If you build a lineup and you're like, I don't, and and you're entering it into one of these huge GPPs and you're like, I can't believe I left this much money on the table. It's probably fine. Like what you think is a lot of money left over probably isn't that drastic. And if you like the lineup, like, why are you changing your lineup just because you have money left? And so, um, that's like leaving salary is such a great way to differentiate from other people because there are so many who are just like, "I need to use all of the cap and they're putting themselves at a disadvantage immediately thinking that way
1: yeah i mean it, it's it's harder like in the classic you know slate the full slate on Sundays i you know it's harder you have those that three hundred dollars left you're like, well, how do I not move this guy up or bump this guy up but in a, in a in a showdown it's even you know more important because everybody's thinking that way, and everybody's zeroing out you make a really good point about the zero out um When I do play these, I do try and leave, you know, three, four, five hundred on the table, maybe even a little bit more. I think it just helps you differentiate. And it's something that, like I said, it's really hard to do. It's hard to get in your mind. Any salary cap challenge, whether it be season long or DFS, you're so trying to max out your points and max out your salary. In your head, you're like, well, this guy's more expensive. He's better. Uh, You got to get away from that in a showdown.
2: Yeah. And and there are, um, you know, like these optimizers that you can set certain uh, limits. And I know people that will make 150 lineups and say like to give them zero that zero out or like every lineup should leave a thousand on the table and like it sounds so counterintuitive you're like but you're taking like worse players because you're doing it and it's like you're taking less expensive players but like yes in the exactly. in the realm of one game um you're you're just don't, don't be so locked into the salary in terms of like having to fill it because it's it, it, you're adding an element to the build that like really doesn't matter as much as you think it does.
1: Yeah. And you've built the, the game flow in your mind, how you think it's going to go. And just cause someone's more expensive doesn't mean that works, uh, works well for how you think the game's going to go. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, anything else on, on showdowns before we jump into a little, uh, talk a little shenanigans and know your host. Um,
2: I don't even want to put off any, put off the shenanigans any longer.
1: <laughs> so we've talked a bunch about uh, a bunch about sports and how we feel and games and uh, games we've been to, but we haven't hit who our favorite athletes are. I'd like to know, uh, you know, maybe favorite athletes, maybe a couple that'll retire that you grew up watching, and then maybe two or three active now. Who are your favorite guy, favorite players, favorite guys to watch? Uh, you know, who would you pay to see? Uh, kind of the, to use the cliched version of it.
2: So we talked about this yesterday, or at least we were we agreed that this is what we were going to talk about. And I, well, like,
1: we, we agreed that we are not allowed to talk about my uh, favorite concert experience.
2: That's right. That's right. Um, <laughs> just cause I don't have any concert experiences, but, um, and
1: cause, and cause mine are not safe for work.
2: That too. That too. Um, so I, you know, you, I started thinking like, what does favorite mean? Um, yep. and I realized that there were players when I was growing up that I loved that I think are, well, I probably don't think they're awful now, but I don't like like them as much now. And there are guys that I realized that I love now, but I loved them like I didn't really love them back then, but I love them now, um, even though they don't play anymore. Um, but I realized that the one player that I was so irrationally positive about during his career and I sent you the poster that I have of him that's hanging in my house is John Starks.
1: Ah, love it. That's a great poster. And
2: the... So the the early to mid-90s Knicks uh, were, like, my favorite teams ever. And it was such a disgusting brand of basketball when you look at basketball now. Like, basketball now is, like, really fun. And there's a lot of scoring. And it's just, like, it's fun. And mid-90s NBA was awful. It was, like, the... I was uh, watching the... uh, the Larry Johnson four point play the other day. And uh, then that,
1: that 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 angle from above of oh Madison Square Garden is so it's awesome. amazing. It's amazing. Yeah.
2: Uh, so also for those that don't know, I grew up in Manhattan, like half a mile from Madison Square Garden. I went to like a ton of Nick games growing up. Um, and basketball has always been like my favorite sport to play and watch. And so um so the those Knicks teams, uh their games like a really exciting Nick game would be like 79
1: 73
2: (laughs) uh which is like a halftime score now and you would think that like the three-point line didn't exist so uh those and those teams like it was Patrick Ewing and Charles Oakley and Starks were like the three like main guys I have actually have another uh it's like a plaque of a picture of those three guys when they made the all-star team my we uh recently moved and my wife like found it. And she's like, what is this? And I'm like,
1: and, <laughs> and I'm like, that's and how, do, and how do we, and how do we get rid of it? Yeah, Yeah.
2: And she's like, you're not keeping this. Are you? And I'm like, of course we are. I mean it's literally just like a photo on a piece of wood. This is it's not signed. It's, n- it's literally nothing. I was like this is a, this has a special place in this house somewhere. Absolutely. Um and now I have the I have a picture of John Starks's it's it was called The Dunk, which is really funny that like John Starks has something called The Dunk. Oh,
1: but I, think it's, on, I think I um, think it's I think it's still The Dunk.
2: Oh, great. Great. Yeah. Um so John Starks was a player like I agreed I I bought in so much to the way he thought that I thought every shot he took was going in. And I was like, he, he just personified so much of what those Knicks were. And, um, I am not tall. I have never been fast. I never really could jump that high. And I loved basketball. And John Starks was like, he didn't really jump that high except for that thing, that one dunk. Um, and he was just like a workhorse and like, that's what I loved about it. And so, I loved John Starks then. I actually still love John Starks. Um, but when I like, was thinking of all of the, the players that I have like, cheered for my entire life, he's at the top.
1: That's a that's a really good one, and it's not like an obvious, uh, you know, I, you know, Patrick Ewing or the, obviously the star on the team. Mm-hmm. So that's a good one. Uh, mine growing up were a little more obvious. You know, my favorite my favorite football player was Joe Montana, but you know, I grew up, uh, you know, I my first game I can ever remember like, and I don't remember the you know breaking down the game or, or seeing it, but it is the is the 49ers Dallas game with the catch with Dwight Clark, and wow. I just remember Wait, I just that was remember your my first game. That's the first game I remember watching. Oh, oh, oh. That's the first game I remember. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. No, I wasn't, I wasn't at that game. I was like, oh. uh, unfortunately, that would be nice. Uh, but I, like, remember my parents reacting to that game. It was the 49ers had always lost to the Cowboys, and they they finally were good, and they drafted all these rookies, and they drafted Montana three years before that, and they had, the, they had three rookies starting in their secondary. Just one of those teams you're like, you know, this team is so fun, but there's the Cowboys, and it's always the Cowboys, and during the 70s, it was the Cowboys and Roger Staubach. And I just remember my parents, like the 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 surprise and the joy from that, you know, winning that game and actually going to the Super Bowl. Uh, I grew up, you know, Montana won four Super Bowls so with the Niners when I was growing up. But just one of those things that you care about things more when you're younger. Yeah, you know, it's hard for me. I, I still care a lot in my. My favorite athlete ever is actually a current athlete. We'll get to, but um, I still care a lot. But there's just something about you know when you're a kid, you know there's nothing, there's no other responsibilities, no other stress, there's no other stuff in life that is bugging you. And watching Joe Montana on Sundays, you know he was kind of who I grew up with. I love Jerry Rice too, but you know Montana was who started that uh, started that dynasty. Rice wasn't there yet, and I, I love Jerry Rice, but for me Montana's always my you know my favorite guy. I have a big, I have a. Uh, original painting hanging in my office that was, that was painted of Montana. I had one of rice too, but, uh, the Montana one is my, my favorite thing. And then in baseball, I gonna I was, say it was painted by Montana. That would have been, that would have been impressive. <laughs> I was like, wow. I didn't probably, know he had that probably not as good as this one is. Yeah. <laughs> um, it is funny. You mentioned athletes that, you know, you grew up loving and then ended up not so loving my, my favorite player when I was like in high school was Jose Canseco. And that has obviously gone completely off the reservation as uh. he has um, you know but it was like you know I was like I was 15 then and you know can hit these you know 460 foot home runs and stole 40 bases He just larger than life he was dating Madonna like it was just one of those guys that it was impossible not to not to enjoy watching and not to not to get into but you know uh, then the steroid stuff happened then the, you know he played for whatever eight teams happened he got really weird he got the he had the domestic stuff with his wife he had the speeding tickets where he's going 130 wherever he just kind of it, it's weird to have that uh that player that you love and collect all their cards and i had the bash brothers poster in my in my my room uh it's weird to have that guy go go fully wacky and then now like with the he wrote the steroid book and now he just seems like a weirdo and uh it's kind of embarrassing that he was one of my favorite athletes as a kid <laughs> but he was right yeah yeah well, he was right on the steroid stuff. Yeah. He, a, a lot of the wacky stuff that he tweets about and stuff, he's not as right. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: But I just remember like when that book came out, and I actually yeah. remember buying the book like soon after it came out and reading it immediately, which seems so odd to me right now. Um,
1: <laughs> but I just remember like all of that but stuff having, an, having like, an actual an actual hard copy book in your hand, right? Well,
2: that too, yeah. yeah. Um, but I just remember like everybody being like, "This is ridiculous. He's just lying." Blah blah, and like all of it was true. Um, and looking back now, you're kind of like, he had no reason to lie about it. Like he, he's crazy already anyway, but, um, thinking about the guys. So, uh, I collected baseball cards and be- collecting baseball cards for some reason made me also start liking guys like irrationally. Um, just cause like, I don't know if, you know, if it's like a goofy picture that shows up on the card or I don't know what it was. Um, I had this very unusual um, love for Ruben Sierra.
1: Ah, oh, no, and anybody but Ruben. It, it's it was just very. That's, odd. that's who Jose Canseco got traded for. Yeah,
2: <laughs> that's
1: right. <laughs> a, uh, a heartbreaking moment in my in
2: my childhood. It, it was it was odd. Like looking back at it, I, I had no connection to Ruben Sierra. I think he was with the Rangers at the time when I decided that I like wanted to own every Ruben Sierra baseball card, and I remember. Just yeah, just loving Ruben Sierra, and then he became a Yankee. He was like on my favorite team, and I didn't care at all. (laughs) I was just like, okay, he's just like another guy. And I look back, and I'm just like, why did I ever like Ruben Sierra as much as I did? Um, On the flip side, the one player who I did like really like growing up, but I like if I if this if current me was was back then, I think Paul O'Neill would be my favorite player ever. (laughs) Um, like he was fun as a Yankee, but like looking back now and he actually does some colored commentary for the Yankees right now. And so like they show like some sporadic Paul O'Neill, like water cooler punching videos and stuff like that. Like, um, which I think is like (laughs) such stupid behavior, but, um, I get a kick out of it. And like, I think, um, 2019 Andrew in 1996 would have just adored Paul O'Neill.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a really good one. I have a lot of uh, a lot of friends I went to school with who are Yankees fans, and that they, you know, I always think they're gonna say, you know, Derek Jeter, Mario Rivera, yeah. Bernie Williams. You'd be surprised how many people say my favorite player of that era was Paul O'Neill.
2: Mm-hmm. He was great. They, I mean, Yankees actually at that time had like a lot of likable players, Tino Martinez, although Tino had that yeah. tough thing of like coming in and replacing Don Mattingly, so that like, took people a little bit longer to like him. But like O'Neill, right. um, and it's like funny to think that everybody loved him for like behavior that we think is dumb like he basically acted like a child like he would be angry and he'd you know break something with his bat and you're just like I would like <laughs> yell at my kid if he started doing that and yet right. I'm looking back on it thinking like no that's actually why I like this guy
1: yeah it's funny my favorite Ruben Sierra story going back to him is he actually in his house before he came to the house, he had a, a statue made of himself uh, with his face but in the thinker pose from the, the famous <laughs> Dan statue and just so, and if you're ever wondering, he does not like being asked about it. If you're sitting in right field, maybe having a drink or two, he does not like being asked oh. about it because I have been there.
2: How do you get to that point where you're like, <laughs> I need to order the Thinker right? with my – do you think it was a gift?
1: Uh, no. I no? think he absolutely bought it. Absolutely yeah. bought it. Huh. And it was like buy his pool. Yeah. The whole thing was crazy. And the, But uh, we we, we when he got traded for Conseco, so he's kind of that guy that like, I can't believe we gave up Canseco for this, dude. Yeah, so yeah. The, there may have been some nights in right field with uh, eight thousand A's fans where we probably razzed him a little more than that. Uh, that I would be okay with uh, hearing these days. Poor guy. Poor. Yeah. Guy. <laughs> yeah. Poor Ruben. <laughs> uh, I I wanted to ask you one of my my favorite player kind of in like my twenties and thirties was was Derek Jeter. I want to ask you as a Yankees fan, like how do you fall on Jeter now? Because obviously he's got. It's weird like he was the most loved guy and then they're they're kind of like when you get the sabermetric stuff he kind of became the the overrated guy like he's really not that good and you know the intangibles people you know, roll their eyes at that and now he's like kind of weird with the Marlins and messing up and trading all their best players and rebuilding and doesn't seem like he's uh you know a, a good guy to the players and you know players like how do you treat people like this how do you feel about uh, How do you feel about Derek Jeter as a Yankees fan? Like, I love the guy playing, and I kind of get tired of the, you know, he was not that good crap, which I actually don't buy myself. I think that that's kind of gone completely the other direction as, you know, things on the internet tend to do. But as a Yankees fan, how do you feel about Derek Jeter or 2019?
2: Um, I'll say that, like, 2019 Derek Jeter is just the same as 2009 Derek Jeter. like. What he does with them, like the Marlins are not even on the radar for Yankee fans. Like there's just no reason to think of them. And so, um, if you told me that 45% of Yankee fans didn't even know that Jeter had an association with the Marlins, (laughs) I'd believe you, um, (laughs) just because it, it, like, it just doesn't register. Um, he, I think you make a good point that people kind of like now go the other way with him. Um, that like he was a very, very, very good baseball player. Like, if you... And say, like, you could call him, like, an accumulator, but, like, he accumulated a ton, too. And did he play shortstop longer than he should have? Absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah. I think a lot of the defensive stuff is what makes people hate on him. Um, totally. So, like, would his stats be as impressive if he played third base or second, or I don't know where where they would have ever played him. But, like, the guy, you know... Hit over three hundred for his career. I know batting average is like not something we use anymore, but I don't even follow baseball, so it doesn't matter. Um, the last time I followed baseball, batting average mattered. Um, but like you know, he he got all the levels that you have to for like a Hall of Fame career. And like I'm actually somebody who, as weird as it sounds, like I think accumulating over a long career is something that should be like rewarded. Like yep. sports are very hard to stay in for a long time, and so like being able to. Do something for as long as they did. Um, I think is perfectly fine to do it. So, like, the Jeter's whole career, like, he'll always be a, one of the best Yankees ever, and any Yankee fan, I think, will tell you that. And if they want to admit, like, maybe defensively he wasn't that great, like, that's fine, or he was horrible, like, even if he was awful, like, nobody cares. Like, the the career he had, the the amount of winning, like, I think he's one of those players that, like, he's so associated with winning. And that it doesn't matter like what else, what the other stuff is.
1: Yeah, and I think the the thing for me is that like you can get all these fans and stuff, but if you hear any of his teammates talk about him, it's like the most ridiculously positive comments. And sure. I get the players players aren't always the best source for for stuff, but when you get player after player after player, like he's he was the most important guy on the team. He was the guy that kept us together. He was the guy that did this and that. I mean, you start to you start to realize that you know a lot of guys that talk about intangibles is kind of some BS in there, but his is not. I mean, he just, he talked about keeping that clubhouse together, keeping that, that the leadership involved in there. And every single guy goes back to Jeter at all times.
2: Yeah. And it's a team that was generally filled with like stars. And, yeah. uh, I, I, they in every sport. Like, I think there people give, like, I think there is a t- tremendous skill in either managing or most, mostly managing or coaching a team of like superstars that like, it's not, everyone's like, Oh, you have the best players. Like you're going to win all the time. And it's like, superstars have uh minds that go very differently than lots of other people and so it's it's not always very easy to get stars to like play together and so if Jeter had like a role in that which a lot of the, his teammates make it seem like he did um then that's something
1: and that uh, that rolls really well actually into my favorite active player my favorite active player and probably my favorite athlete ever is Steph Curry uh, and you know it's interesting it, it, the first he was like America's darling when they first came up and won and everybody loved him and he was changing the game and the three pointers and the, the the dribbling and all that kind of stuff and then they signed Durant and you kind of everybody turned against the Warriors and that kind of happens when teams win and teams are superstars but um, he's still the guy on that team you know I think that's part of the reason why Durant left you go to a Warriors game and the cheer for, for Curry is just different than everybody else and I just think he's the most fun player I've ever watched he's you know the fact that a guy like that is on my favorite team that that sucked for 40 years. Just been an absolute gift. And watching him, it's one of those guys that you know you can watch NBA regular season games. And if Curry's playing, it's fun to watch. Like there are a lot of NBA regular season games that are just awful to watch. Even with good teams, they're boring. They're bad. Guys sit out. Guys don't care. When Steph Curry's on the court, it's the, it's, the, it's the cliched you know, league pass moment. You know, oh, Curry's warming up. He's got 38 in the third, and everybody, in the, everybody on Twitter, everybody in the world flips over that game. But you know, also, you know, good human, good dad, good husband, good guy. There's no trouble with this, and it's just the the most perfect blend of everything. It, it, you know, you're always waiting for the other shoe to drop, but it just doesn't does with Curry. You know, fun to watch, great teammate, great guy. Just I could not, uh, I could not have a, a better player on my favorite team. Just my, my favorite guy ever. You know, the fact that he took a team that was so bad and brought them three championships. And you know, and you get it the other way, kind of like Ojeda now. You get like, well, you know, he wasn't that good. He had Duran, he had Draymond Green. You look at every stat you can think of. They are so much better with him on the floor than off. You know, you take you take uh, all the stats with you know Durant on and him off, or Curry on and Durant off, and it's just it always goes. Uh, you know, Curry changes, but everybody else on the defense does. Uh, just my favorite player, my favorite athlete. I'm looking forward to many, many more years of, of Curry. Even though they're not going to be as good this year. I get that. Um, you know, I think that uh, they're going to be just as fun, and, and that all comes down to number thirty.
2: I think, and obviously he's got a few MVPs, and everybody like uh, looks at him as one of the best players in the NBA. But I actually think Curry. Curry's like career will look even better after he retires and he's obviously not close to that but I don't think people have like really appreciated that he is he like changed the NBA that like obviously things there are other things that go into it but like the way that he played fundamentally changed how teams play um I have my own Steph Curry um story that uh I'll hope I'll get through quickly here but I I saw him play Davidson at Madison Square Garden at a Oh, that's um, awesome. It was either the preseason NIT or coaches versus cancer they always have some college basketball right um, thing there. And uh I was sitting uh behind a basket. So he he was shooting actually at the far basket, but um I was right next to the like where the ESPN like they set up like a little studio like right in the crowd basically. So it was John Saunders uh, Jay Billis, and I forget who the other one was. But anyway, so the game is either tied or, David, or the game's tied. And said has the ball with like 12 seconds left. They have to go the length of the court. And the ball is inbounded. Curry is dribbling up the court. And a sold-out Madison Square Garden, like almost at the exact same time, like everybody like stands up. And you get this feeling like <laughs> something incredible is going to happen. And Curry like nails a three to win the game.
1: Oh, and awesome. the place
2: goes nuts. You look over the, the ESPN guys. I like, can't believe what they just saw. Like they're like <laughs> high-fiving each other. And you're just like, everybody's going nuts. And you're just like, this kid might be special. Like who, and that, what, and what that's, is Davidson? That's a crowd
1: that that's a crowd that doesn't even know what Davidson is.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah. it's one of those that like, uh, and this is such like a New York elitist thing. It's a crowd that knows basketball. Yes. But like, yeah, nobody knows what, what Davidson is. And but this, but this And he had a huge game. And all of a sudden, we're like, "Whoa! Like this kid is good." And that was the year they went. They go the elite eight or the sweet. I, it was the elite eight. I, I thought,
1: think. Right? I think they went elite eight and they yeah. missed. A, yeah, Curry actually passed, a, passed to a guy that was That's wide right. open That's for right. a three to tie the game. I think he it was did. against Kentucky. He made the yeah. right play. Yeah, he did. He made the right play, but you know, probably to a guy who has never picked up a basketball again <laughs> after that. But uh, <laughs> you know, I think you probably want the the, the double teamed one foot thirty eight footer over anybody else in the world. But uh, well, we still just didn't the right know it at the time. Yeah, you just didn't, didn't quite know at the time, but that yeah, that run. Every once in a while, I'll watch YouTube and get kind of down the rabbit hole of that uh, that Davidson Elite eight run, and that was uh, it was spe- that was a, just a special fun like you know who is this little you know this yeah. this is skinny. I mean, I say little, but he's six three, but little in the basketball world. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I uh, I there are there are many days that I, I thank the Minnesota Timberwolves for taking Johnny Flynn instead. Oh, I just saw somebody tweet that out for some reason. I forget what it was. <laughs> one pick before well, the next too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Jordan Hale is that who they took? <sighs> I think that's right. Um, sorry about that. Uh, so Another real quick before blow, we get out Scott. of here, we've gone, a, we've gone a little long now. But give me, uh, give me your, favorite, uh, your favorite active athlete now. It might be Steph Curry. Oh, okay. give me someone else then.
2: Well, my teams are so bad but first right of all, now. First that, like,
1: of all, I love, that, I love that it's Steph Curry. And hopefully, I think, I think you said your son's into basketball too. Hopefully he's a Curry fan he, too. He, right. we,
2: we are absolutely a Curry family. There's more nice. behind that. But, love, um, it.
1: love it. Um,
2: I mean, would you just like look at the teams that like, I have to cheer for? Um, I guess the Yankees make sense, but like I, I, I find myself more separated from the teams that I love now in terms of like individual players that like I prefer to just watch others. Like I think I could easily say like Lionel Messi is my favorite athlete right now. All
1: right, that's. Uh, do you have a Do you have a European like soccer team that you root for, Premier League or otherwise? Um, I I say it's Arsenal,
2: um, but I also say that like if they lose, like my day isn't ruined. Whereas, okay. um, like if Villanova basketball, like if there's if if we lose, like my week is ruined.
1: <laughs> so that's your, when you talk about like what you care about most, Villanova Villanova College basketball is like kind of your number one.
2: It's, it's like one, two, three, four, and five.
1: Okay. So that, that's significant. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a All nut. Right. That's, uh, hey, that's a good thing. That's, uh, <laughs> I, I think having one is good. The problem is I have like two and a half. Like, uh, I'm, uh, you know, Warriors are uh, huge. 49ers are huge. And then the Oakland A's are huge for me. But, like, that kind of takes, like, towards maybe July and August. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I probably have too many and it uh, it affects too much. But uh, it sure is fun. And being passionate about stuff, I guess, is not a negative uh, overall. Right. Not at all. Not at all. Yeah. Could be doing drugs, uh, Scott. Could be passionate about cocaine. That's true. <laughs> it's much healthier. Be passionate uh, that, about stuff, uh, on that, on that note, I want to thank everybody for listening to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, the DFS edition. Hopefully you're enjoying listening to us. We are definitely having a lot of fun doing it. Uh, obviously, we'll uh, we'll break down games uh, to you know, a lot of details as the season goes. But I uh, thought that getting some strategy and some fun would uh, would be a good way to kind of ease into the season. Uh, if you want to follow Andrew on Twitter, he is at roto Andrew. I am at Scott you have Any questions for us or anything you want us to discuss on uh, on you know the next couple DFS strategy podcasts? We would love some ideas or stuff. If to interests you, uh, please do shoot it over to us there. Uh, if you could please rate or view the co- podcast, that'd be fantastic. Also, it does go a long way to helping the podcast. Hopefully, everybody has a fantastic weekend. We'll be back at you next Friday talking some more DFS. Take care.